This week, G-Baby, The Usual Suspect, Steve, special guests in front of the show, Staring John, Summon the Spirits to discuss 1982's Poltergeist, directed by Toby Hooper. Join us as we talk about the practical effects that still hold up, strange circumstances involved in the making of the film, and clown phobia. It's like 10,000 spoons when all you need is a knife. Toot it and boot it. Let's wax this polter porpoise. Welcome back to Waxing the Porpoise. Uh, we are back holding fast with our two-month-long ode to the Halloween season and get into some ghosty shit this evening. Uh, this is my favorite horror subgenre, by the way, hauntings and the like. Um, so we're on episode 26 now, and we are flashing back to Poltergeist from 1982. This is a paranormal-slash-supernatural haunted or really possessed house flick uh, from the famed Texas Chainsaw Massacre director, Toby Hooper. Uh, So tonight, or whatever the hell time you're tuning in, uh, you'll be treated to a real murderer's row this evening. You got myself, Jim G. Baby. The funk of 40,000 years. G-funk. And of course, we also have the usual suspect, Steve. Carlos Blanca. Charlie. How's it going, man? Dude, how stupid is is that of Guile in that part to be like, hey, friend of mine who's in captivity <laughs> with this really evil guy? Like, so fucking stupid. It's almost like that movie's not perfect. Understatement of the evening, I think. Joining us for this episode, uh, we have uh, back-to-back special guests. Please welcome Staring John Kenyon. Welcome, John Dog. Yes, thank you. I met my wife to that song. Nice. I didn't even know that. Awesome. The dance. (laughs) I had the dance and it got right into she just knew what was up. (laughs) Like, this guy knows how to cut a rug. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Yeah, pumped to be here, dude. Thank you for having me. Super excited. Yeah. Totally. We're, we're glad to have you on, and we appreciate you making the time. I think we're going to have a, a spirited discussion, pardon the pun. Yes. Um, yes. So just quick background uh, on who the hell this guy is. Uh, before we get into the main event, uh, we all met uh, at work uh, back in the late aughts, I think. We all about started, and uh, ever since uh, well, Steve has since and- left... You and I actually met at John's birthday party, which oh, we were. Oh yeah, this to. is a and weird that was, fucking. That was before I even worked there. But yeah, I remember that that party that that was where you got the moniker that I introduced you with, staring John Kenyon, because you went up for a comedy set at, at a friend's birthday party, and they printed it wrong on the flyer. Yeah, it's supposed to say starring John Kenyon, and so staring, staring John Kenyon kind of yeah. kind of that was the first time. That was the first time I ever did. That's right, because we were doing. I did a, a stand-up bit that night. Was it, that was which uh, I actually missed because I was throwing yeah. up in the front fucking yard. Was, yeah, this, the, yeah. was this the same one where uh, 
Uh, it was the same one you were there, the Jersey party. You were there. Yeah. yeah. Where our other mutual friend Dick went up and was like, so my mom was killed. <laughs> yes. Dude, yeah. I honestly kind of thank God that he went up there and just fucking shit the bed for five minutes. Oh, my because God. Because I could have come up there and done, uh, just shown my ass. And it would have been like, oh, thank God. This is a fucking welcome yeah. break. Dude, it was such a funny moment. Everyone's looking around like, did he just say my mom was killed? Like, Yeah. We'll we'll yeah. have to get him on the show because he is a fucking treasure trove of yeah, yeah. madness. Yeah, that's uh, stay tuned. That's that's T- TBD, but it it will happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm, Great I'm curious to see what unfolds out of that. Um, sweet. So yeah, we've all long story short, we've all known each other for about a decade or so, and uh, uh, John's a big. I, I'd call you a movie buff, right? Yeah, I would. Uh, I would agree. Yeah. Yeah, I remember we we were uh, we watched uh, Prometheus in the theater, and that was a good time. Yeah, that was. And sick. then we we saw I think Spectre. We were both amped for Spectre, and the, yeah. God, that movie it kind of bummed me out. Like I was like, I thought that was going to yeah. be so dope. Yeah, I, it, it was, was coming off the same the same director Skyfall, and it was coming. And off Skyfall that. was godlike. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, that's that's probably my favorite top two. Like of but, all Bond, all Bonds. That I, that may be a hot take because I I haven't even seen all of the old ones either, so oh, okay. I guess you could say from like Timothy Dalton on sure. that that's my favorite for sure. Living daylights, dude. Dude, I think Timothy Dalton gets gets the short end of the stick. I think both his flicks were pretty good. Yeah. I guess he was going to go on to play a third one too, but something there was some like scheduling conflict, and he they wanted him for a third one. But it, it almost anyway. incidental the way they did it. Yeah, that was weird because it was like one, two, three, four, five. Like each each actor, it was like a like in numerical order, like how many mm-hmm. films they did. But yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, so that's a little bit of background, and then, uh, so yeah, we're talking about 1982's Poltergeist. Um, so before we get into the main course, too, we got to see, since this is Steve's first time, uh, what was your impression? Um, or actually, no, 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 before that, uh, let's get to John real quick, too. I wanted to, to double check and see... Um, you, you mentioned you wanted this one out of the slate of films. So do you, what's your history with Poltergeist? Uh, Poltergeist is one of the two movies that fucked me up as a kid. I watched uh, uh, Poltergeist and it were like recurring nightmares, <laughs> like just fucking terrible times. And so I have something with that movie where it's just like, it, it obviously did what it was supposed to do. You know, and it because uh, I, I, my parents used to put scary movies on all the time, and then bitch when we couldn't sleep and fucking, <laughs> you know, and it was weird. It's like, what are you thinking? <laughs> yeah, uh, but Poltergeist stood out because it was just so fucking creepy, dude. Yeah, totally. So I'm, obviously- I'm not. I- I'm kind of the same way with Poltergeist 2. I watched them out of sequence. I watched two first mm-hmm. and then the first one, but the second one freaked me out, namely the fucking where the kid with the braces when he goes into the bathroom and the the braces go everywhere. That shit yeah. fucking scarred me. But is it that the also one with I watched the old Uh yeah, like the, the old guy. One? Yeah, yeah. No, they introduce him in the second one, the old man in the black suit with the hat that looks like a yep. skeleton. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. 
Um, but it did creep. I saw it at a younger age too. And that one definitely creeped me out. Yeah. That was the number one for sure. That one is So like, between uh, with poltergeist and it, did that give you like an insane clown thing or were they just both scary? <laughs> I think the, the, it was the clown thing, obviously for sure. Right. Poltergeist. It was just kind of like, uh, fed into that that was already there you know what i mean then it was like yeah. oh god this is already creepy and now it's <laughs> uh, here's a fucking clown of course here we go let's fucking yeah. let's see what goes on here yeah that clown thing at the end's fucking crazy yeah Just there's actually a, there's a similar uh are you afraid of the dark uh, episode. There's actually two clown episodes. Yeah, I think the one that th- people think of is I think it's Bozo the clown, the one mm-hmm. where the kid steals his nose. Mm-hmm. But there's one later on in the series, like I think somewhere between the second and fourth season. It's like the Curse of the Crimson Clown, and it's it's one that's more spindly in pol- like at the end of Poltergeist with those like arms and it can extend. It's more yeah. st- similar to that one. I remember watching that one kind of creeped me out too. Yeah, there was, a, the there was definitely a couple of them. Because I thought there was another one, too, where it, like, came to life and it had a big-ass head. And, like, it was, like, uh, the kid would never clean his room. And the clown was like, you gotta clean your room, kid. And he'd, like, come out of the <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I always, I just remember those two distinctly. And that was definitely the clown thing. That was the clown thing of Full Fact. Because it wasn't, like, a creepy clown. But, right, it just gets reiterated back to that. And then just, yeah, fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Did you, have either of you guys seen the It, the it reboots that were yeah. made in 2015 mm-hmm. and I have 2017 and like 2020? No? I would recommend the first one. First reboot is dope from like, I think mm-hmm. it's 2017. Um, the second one. You didn't I, like the second one? I wanted to like it, but it just, they did too much from, and I'm not, I'm usually not like a book purist versus movie, but Mm. I just feel like they could have done more of the book stuff. Yeah. Just as like, I I think they may be freaked out about how big it was and like how uh, like CGI intensive or costly it could have been. But what they did was like, I feel like they could have performed, used those same techniques and what they did and just followed the story of the book. But anyway, uh, we're not talking about it. I would recommend that, Steve. The first one's it's pretty it's pretty creepy. Yeah. And it it's really well done. Okay. Yeah. Um so what what say you? How what was your uh impression of Poltergeist? Yeah, I liked it a lot. I mean I could tell I could tell why it's like a, a classic, you know. It's definitely it's definitely got some eighties like corniness to it, but it wasn't you know, too overwhelming. Definitely uh, creepy as shit. Like, even as a an, an an adult man watching it, I got chills a few times. Like Jesus, like when the when, <laughs> like well, when the mom the end of, yeah when the mom turns around and all the the chairs are stacked up on the kitchen table. I was like, oh my mm-hmm. fuck, that was yeah. the first one. This is unbelievable. <laughs> that part is crazy. That yeah. calls back. That remi- that reminds me of Shyamalan. I feel like he's ca- calling sense. back on that in the Sixth Sense when the yeah. bitch closes all the shit and she turns around. It's all open. It's all open. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was very. It felt very derivative. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
So you liked it. Awesome. Yeah, I liked I it a lot. Because I, I've seen this a ton, and watching it now, I guess, call me jaded, or I'm just, I got those calluses. Like, this one really hits me, like, I've seen just as scary now, like, um, like Goosebumps episodes. Like, the R.L. Stein series has gone beyond that. They Like, he made, like, uh, this series called Haunting Hour, that's for, like, young adults, you know, like, middle school yeah. kids. And some of those are pretty fucking scary, you know? So, um, I think for me, this is, this almost, I almost put this right up there with ET, um, just kind of the, like the vibe I get from it. It feels, it's kind of like comfort food. And it also like in hindsight, it's, it's got a lot of similarities in more ways than one to ET, uh, which we'll get into not the least of which is that they were released the same year and Spielberg w- both worked heavily on both films, but, mm-hmm. um, I, f- I feel like not just me feeling that way. I feel like there are a lot of similarities to ET too, like the film grain, like the, the kind of the way the story progresses. I think they're both really well done. And so to me, those two films are kind of like linked to me as I've gotten older. And so, but there are some parts that are still legitimately scary. I think I the have. one that gets me the most is the very end, like where, uh, Carol Ann's been gone for a while now and the mom is like getting laundry and she goes up to that room and she cracks the door just to see and it's all all that shit and she's and she immediately she's in tears she's like I'm sorry I'm sorry dude that part gets me it's like ah fuck yeah like if you were living through that and that was real like what a trip that would fucking be oh yeah Uh, the scene too I think uh, yeah yeah if you want to start getting into it like uh I feel like they do a good job of showing that too. When all the the people show up, the workers show up, right? The the paranormal people, and they're like, "We saw a matchbox. You know, it moved seven foot across the floor over several hours, of course." And he's just mm-hmm. fucking fumbling through his keys. He's like, "Oh, what? All right." Uh, and pops the fucking door open and shit's just going everywhere. Yeah, and dude, like, oh my God. <laughs> what yeah. the fuck is this? And it's like the whole family just see, like they were just such a, a weird family dynamic, dude. Like from the yeah. whole beginning of the movie, like it just totally weirdos, you know. And they're sitting there talking to him. That lady's fucking shaking like crazy, and they're all just like, "Oh, this is a little embarrassing." And it's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> Yeah, I I actually liked. I mean, they they are a little weird, kind of like hippy dippy family. But mm-hmm. I feel like that's what is a is a a service to this movie. Is I think right out of the gate, it sets them up like really well. Like I buy them as like you know warts and all kind of family. Like it's sure. not like a cookie cutter. Yeah, they live in the suburbs, but you know, like the dad like looks, he's like selling real estate and he's twisting up a doobie and he's kind of yeah. like the interactions at the beginning. I, th- I, I really like how it kind of draws you into the family and you feel like you get to know him a little bit. Yeah, dude, that's one of the notes I wrote down. Dude, the dad just looked like the homie, man. Just a guy you'd be like, go fucking play some golf with, you know, he's standing in the mirror doing the fucking belly thing. Yeah. Like <laughs> Like it, it just seems like oh funny dude you know what I mean like yeah I, I, I uh, you're exactly correct on that yeah I think this entire movie could be like a uh, mental breakdown hallucination by the mom so hear me out for a second so this is an interesting angle so the first the first weird thing is the the daughter looking into the TV and like talking right and so the mom's like what the fuck who are you talking to or whatever 
then mom is smoking a joint in bed and then everything weird starts happening after that. So it could just be like a uh, schizophrenic mental breakdown of the mom after seeing the daughter talking to the TV and so now she's just freaking the fuck out. Yeah. So this is just an anti-marijuana movie, I believe. Reefer Madness Redux. <laughs> well, they like say that the in, husband, the, in the breakfast, too. And the husband was reading a Ronald Reagan book, Nancy Reagan, Just Say No, yep. Drugs. Yep. Dare. Log uh, not. Fixed it. Dude, that's interesting. I wish I had the fucking Big Lebowski. That's fucking interesting, man. That's fucking interesting. Um, <laughs> well, that's just yeah. Like what if your it's opinion, just the mom? Man. She's like strapped down on like a fucking gurney, and she wakes up, and it's just like six years later. Yeah. yeah, that's a very Shyamalan ding dong twist. Shyamalamalua, for sure. Um, interesting. Is that? you really feel that way or is that no. just something fa- fun that you kind of tinkered with in your head? No, I just, I just thought it was a funny, stupid thought. I right thought that for about half a Dr. Pepper, I think. <laughs> I also feel like, uh, the brother, I feel like the brother has a much shittier time than the sister. Cause they focus on the sister. Who's like, okay, she's talking to a friend in the TV. Then she goes through this portal where she doesn't really remember anything. The poor fucking brother is being tortured by the clown, then the tree, then he gets half eaten by a tree, and then choked out by the fucking clown. And meanwhile, all they care about is the sister, and he's like, I'm dying every day. (laughs) (laughs) I felt really bad. He was so fucking annoying, though. God. He does get fucked up quite a bit he takes, he takes he takes like the physical and the mental whereas the parents have the like the mental thing going on right but we also don't know what kind of horrors carol ann was exposed to in the other side yeah yeah quotes. she said um, she said they didn't she didn't remember much so yeah but the, yeah the way they were treating her like this like like this golden calf like this is their ticket all these spirits you know to right yeah to like take maybe she was like just like isolated for to fit the plot until they could rescue her and she's unscathed you know but well she was the target of the poltergeist i believe right like her specifically when when she was in the other side like maybe she had it like she was just like in a holding cell until they just until they finished whatever they were doing to get out of her her spirit or whatever and then so yeah like go back to the brother yeah he did get the shit end of the stick like just getting (laughs) freaked the fuck out the tree dude the The tree tree was hardcore dude like tree the movie does a great job of shit that's like not like making in it like a a staticky tv that shit is creepy, bro. The way, like yeah. the way she's sitting in front, like it ends with the star spangled banner and then it's just fucking, you know, yeah. the fucking tree was creepy, dude. There's just all kinds of weird shit that isn't, you're not, you know, it's not inherently scary that, but that tree off rip, I was just like, yeah, dude. Yeah. So my grandma Something fucked up about it. The last like year of her life, uh, her, her cognition was slipping. We'll say, and there was one time where she was sitting in front of the TV at my aunt's house and she's like waving at the TV and my aunt is in the kitchen. She's like, what are you doing, mom? And she's like, they're talking to me. They're, and they were watching like some news show and she's like, they're, they're talking to me. I'm just saying hi. Like, Jesus, that would creep me the fuck out. Oh, bro. <laughs> 
He needs some milk. Yeah. Yeah, that would creep me the fuck out too. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I've heard of people when they're passing, you know, and they're like in a drug-induced stupor, say some weird shit, like when they're about to go under the influence. But um, yeah, yeah. If you ever talk to like hospice people or nurses that see people about to die, it's crazy how how they all sort of follow the same thing. Like a nurse will be like, they probably have like two days left just based on like how, oh, they're, yeah. how they're breathing or what they're doing. Like, I'm sure your mom has experienced a ton of that shit. Like, and I guess there's a, a pretty common thing where someone will be declining steadily. And then like right before the very end, they'll bounce back and have like a day or two where they're like normal. They feel like their old self, like a rebound. And then it's just back down again. Damn. Yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> like what a cruel yeah. little like hey things are getting better yeah. you're dead yeah or maybe if it what if the universe strings it out so someone could make it in time to like say goodbye or see him one last time kind of thing but yeah that shit is nuts um uh yeah we don't really go i've been trying to get away from like going beginning to end kind of thing and like really sure. like dissecting it that way we can just go free for all as we as we come across stuff but i guess just to set the tone too and going back to like uh getting you invested in the family like there's some weird some funny shit that happens too like there's a football game on on a sunday and mm-hmm. they tie in this weird thing where like their their remote control is like fucked up and it's controlling the neighbors house so every time they're they're all this family the freelies uh craig t nelson and friends they're sitting trying to watch the game and then the dude in the next door has little kids and they're trying to watch like fucking you know mr. Some rogers. Kid mr rogers mr rogers so they keep flipping and they're like got money on the game and like someone's just about to score and it switches yeah. and like with the way the guy comes in too he's like riding a bike with like a case of beer yeah, he falls yeah. off and loses a six pack and they're all having fun, you know, it just like, and like there's kids out in the street. It looks, it feels like, you know, those old, like the good old days, like people had like block parties and shit. That, pro- that yep. kind of thing was probably on the way out, but, um, yeah. Any town USA, Jerry. Uh, <clears throat> um, so yeah, we get into it there. There's like the fucking the the little girl Heather O'Rourke, the platinum blonde little girl, starts seeing shit in the TV and spirits talking to her. A um, little bit of trivia about that. Uh, so I guess Drew Barrymore originally yeah. almost got the role for Carol Ann, our one of our main protagonists, I guess. Um, but. Steven Spielberg said he wanted, he was looking for a girl like a little bit more angelic and like innocent look to her. Um, but this ended up helping because at the time, like it's weird too. ET and poltergeist were almost, I think they were like three to six weeks offset from one another. So they were pretty much developed in parallel. So, uh, when Spielberg casted for Poltergeist, he remembered Barry Moore. was like, I think she'd be perfect as the little sister in E.T., which was like... So Poltergeist was first? Yeah, like the casting for. So, and mm-hmm. that's how they were. she was able to parlay that exposure into getting the role in E.T., which like that was her first like blow-up role, I think. 
outside so of the commercials and stuff. I've like never, that. I've never seen ET, but aren't what? they about, aren't they about the same age and the same kind of aesthetic? Yeah, that's why I say too. Like, if you watch ET after this, you'll be like, oh yeah, there's a to- there's like a directorial like signature kind of vibe, and it's the same year, oh. so it's like the same kind of film at like, and it's they're both big big budget you know blockbusters, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, same they year definitely is, have the f- same year as Blade Runner, just less shitty. Uh, Drew Barrymore is the either granddaughter or great granddaughter of. What's his name from It's a Wonderful Life? Old Man Potter? Jimmy Jimmy Stewart? No. His name's something Barrymore, but he's the uh Oh the, shit, I didn't know the that. old the old man uh, who like owns everything. Have you have you guys seen that one? That's a good one. My favorite Christmas movie. Yeah, I've seen it, but I didn't know that like that was her great great grandfather. That's I don't know, some some old fuck. And he's probably too young to be her grandfather, but Anyway, going back to the the remote little fun back and forth, it made me think of like a really dark thing I had heard on a podcast not too long ago where this guy, this was like the mid uh, 2010s maybe or aughts, this guy's setting up a wireless baby monitor, like a video camera baby monitor. Uh-oh. And so he, yeah, so he fires it up and it's got its signal crossed. And the video that shows up on the screen is not the video of his kid in the other room. It's a video of like a video feed of this kid who's like tied up and bound in, in like a dungeon. Uh, And so so they end up, they end up figuring out it's one of his neighbors and the signal just got like transmitted wrong. And it's it's a long story, but yeah, it's a a less fun version of this little remote control goof. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'd bit. say so. This little, little bubble. <laughs> Fuck, dude, that'd be so. Can you imagine? That'd be so creepy. That comes up on your screen, like, oh, wow. fuck. Yeah. yeah. So, did that kid end up getting saved? Like, they pinpointed it and was like, okay, we got him. And yeah, uh, without going too far into the story, they there was sound on the video, and so they were able to hear oh, like. Fuck. They were able to hear like background music because when like the dude saw it and he's like, oh, fuck. So I'm going to record this for the cops in case it goes away. So yeah. he called the cops. They came over and they could hear music or something playing. So they like put a cup to each one of their walls. Like, OK, well, it could be this neighbor over here or this neighbor over here. Heard the music Damn. going on over there, went over and we're like, can we look around And there? They said no. And they're like, well, we're gonna. And so they found the kid and. Yeah, crazy thing. Uh, going back to early in the movie and fun little tropes that we like to touch on. Yeah. The 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 um, the creepy like mid thirties dudes who are standing around like oogling at a fifteen year old girl like oh, that yeah. is so fucking creepy. And yeah. I I can't believe it was so just universal really not that long ago but mm-hmm. yeah it's just such a weird thing that and even the mom's like these guys <laughs> right she just shrugs it off well she was probably a she's like that's slurred. my girl because what is she she like she like fucking <laughs> off and does like so you know yeah. what i mean like she's watching her out the window she sees the shit going on and yeah. she's like oh fuck you fuck yeah. you fuck you and the mom's like 
Oh nice. right, and drinks or coffee? Like yeah. fucking turns around. Well, if you did, you recognize that, one of those actors, uh, Jim? One of the pool workers. Is it the one who got his head split open later in life? I don't, maybe. Okay, it's we'll, we'll, Billy we'll from Predator, day. dude. Oh shit, that's right. Yeah, dude. yeah. I was trying to place him. I was like, no. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it is crazy, too, because this is a fucking, for all intents and purposes, this is a Spielberg movie. And right. it's, P, it's PG, so yeah, it is crazy. So, like, if that's being put in, like, yeah, that, that shit was going on, like, all the time. Like, catcalling, like... Right. Any, well, any girl between 12 and 18, like, didn't <laughs> yeah. matter. Well, and was so. I the only one who did the math when... They said the mom is like 31 yeah. and the daughter's 16. Like, whoa, yeah. wait a second. So yeah. the daughter's mom age, apparently. Yeah. It was, was like, like exactly why? in half, right? Because he's like 31. No, 32. Yeah. And she and like the daughter's weird, 16. It just seemed like such a weird detail. Like, why would you yeah. make her that young? And maybe that right, was more yeah. normal. But to me, it was like, that's distracting. No, it felt pretty intentional. Like the way he kind of stumbles over it and like emphasize. And it's like the first two, you know, I, to me as I'm as I was watching it, because that was the first thing I did when I heard it. I was like, wait a second, do the fucking yeah. math here. Like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then yeah, later- I mean, because these are kids of like, if they're that age in 82, they're kids of like the baby boomers, you know? So yeah. maybe that's just them like rebelling hardcore in the seventies. Well, and later they mentioned uh, the, the like motel and the daughter's like, I know that place. Yeah. Jeez. You little salute <laughs> bag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I guess while we're talking about her too, did you guys do any uh, research oh, into the film or were aware of this gal's fate after the film? Dude, all of them. Like, yeah. It was fucked yeah. up. But yeah, her, her specifically, I did, I did read, but it, yeah, dude, that was some crazy shit. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of crazy shit. And the, the first thing I saw was um, I was looking at IMDb and it showed Carol Ann. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's a very young picture of her that they still have on there. That's weird. Hopefully oh, that yeah. doesn't mean she perished young. And then I opened it and like, yeah, she died at 12. So I, yeah, do you want to go into some of the fucking crazy happenings? Yeah, we can touch on it a little bit. And I know for like, you know horror fans and like you know students of this film this is all going to be super remedial but and i don't want to go my personally i'm holding myself back because i can go really deep on this and um i don't think i want to do that for right now but like personally i always knew carol ann heather o'rourke uh as like it was like an urban legend bordering on like you know um Maybe a little bit more truth to it than that, so not like a true urban legend. But I always heard it was like, "Yep, she didn't shit for like a week and a half or two weeks, and like she died." <laughs> and like that's that's like how it it, it it had distilled down to me at like ten years old. And then the, like the older I got, the more I like learned about it. It's like, yeah, she, I mean, kind of. She went in. Right. She had like sepsis, and she had like a like a a really bad blockage, and she didn't shit for like. 12 days but that's not why she died she was like misdiagnosed and um the rabbit hole i could i could spin off that but i don't really want to is that i would just say there there's a lot more 
to that story about how she got that way. Um, that's, that gets pretty dark and I'm not saying I believe in it or, uh, I like, I definitely take it with a grain of salt, but there's like the surface level, what you're told. And then people like to say like, Oh, the poltergeist franchise was cursed and like, and she, she some way was like cursed by dabbling in like disrespecting the spirit world and, and all these, there's a bunch of other things tied to the film that we'll get into as well. But, um, yeah, I remember being younger and and thinking like, Ooh, that's creepy. That's kind of cool to think about. Like, but as I got older and looked into it, it's like, no, that, uh, I mean, I would say this ser- this franchise has bad luck for sure. And as much as I oh, want to yeah. believe in like that other side and like ghosts and goblins and all that kind of crazy shit, um, at the end of the day, there's like real things that happen to these people that, uh, looking back on it, I feel like it's kind of disrespectful to their memory, like to uh, exploit like the cursed franchise. You know, it's like sure try to push tickets kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it does so, have it does have a few very unique, super tragic deaths surrounding it. Because what mm-hmm. I saw it was like they think it was some pathogen or something that was in well water that they just didn't find soon enough, and you know it's crazy because that was forty years ago or whatever. But just how far medicine has come in the last forty years, where things that were like a death sentence then they're like, oh yeah, no, that's no problem. We'll just give you a little whatever. But then right. yeah, uh, Dominique Dunn. I had, mm-hmm. I I wasn't super familiar familiar with her story, but I knew about it just through because her dad used to always be on, you know, those like cable news shows as like a consultant, like true TV type stuff, court TV yeah, stuff. Exactly. I think he so got I knew his own series later on, but yeah. So I I was aware that his daughter was murdered, but yeah, what a brutal like. And it was it. the same year this movie released. It was in eighty two or eighty three. The year it was, yeah, it was like six months or something, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, and then the guy. Yeah, this is her only film credit, I, I believe. Well, and it's like doubly tragic because the guy, they acquitted him of murder but convicted him of like voluntary manslaughter. So he only served mm-hmm. a few years. Yeah, yeah for choking, choking her out at her doorstep. Yeah, that's yeah, nuts. It's fucking gross. And then the, the dude who, the guy who's working on the pool who's like eating shit through the window and drinking coffee is like, you make a fine cup of coffee, that guy. Yeah. He got axed in the head later in life. What? Yeah. Shit, I, I didn't know that. I didn't see that one, yeah. So, uh, yeah, the guy who's like drinking coffee or whatever. In 2009, um, this guy who was like trying to, trying to steal his car. He was an ex-con with a history of mental illness. Um, admitted to killing him with an axe. Like just split his fucking head open. And yeah, it's just brutal. Crazy. <laughs> yeah that's fucking nuts um i i guess uh getting to uh more of the cast and characters uh in this film so originally uh or first first off uh spielberg steven spielberg and toby hooper they both uh agreed that they wanted like near or virtual unknowns uh for all the main cast to make the haunting feel like more real, like at the time, you know, and like, like this could someone you can't place. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is like, you know, Joe, Joe suburban family, like the kind of just like the any man type people in, in each of these roles, which I thought was cool. Um, and it's, 
both the leads for sure. Um, Craig T. Nelson and Joe Beth Williams went on also to, to have pretty solid careers. Um, I can't think of anyone else other than like Tangina, who, uh, played by Zelda mm-hmm. Rubenstein. She was in a few other things, but, um, yeah, the, Bro, the that main mom team. was smoking hot. Yeah, man. she's I a smoke like, show in this movie for sure. Beat that thing, dog. <laughs> <laughs> Be a dog. Uh. <laughs> oh, we're we're neglecting yeah. to mention the most tragic outcome from this movie, which is the television program Coach. You're not a coach fan. I hated that show. <laughs> it's all right. It's it's got its moments. What's his name? What's what's the uh, side character? Jerry, uh, the big blonde doof. No, no, no. The other one, the like the, the fast talker, the fucking. Uh, you know, I'm talking about. Ah, his, it's his been name so me. long, dude. My Dick grandpa Dog used to watch shit that. Yeah. He'd sh- Dick Dog would shit a brick if I couldn't remember this guy's name right now, and I can't. But yeah, you know, funny story. My uh, mother-in-law actually like she fucking loves coach. And if you knew her at all, it's, it'd be the most bewildering thing. Like it bewilders me that that's like, she likes that show, dude. It's so, cause it's like, it's like sports centric. Yeah. And honestly, I can't think like, I feel like most of the scenes are like in his office and there's like always a blackboard with like plays written on it. And they're, it's like, it's, it's a series of like three rooms, you know? Are you you thinking of Jerry? Are you thinking of Jerry Van Dyke? Yes. Okay. Yeah. He's he's pretty fucking funny in it. Um, well, uh, I, don't know yes. any, I don't know I don't know anything about airplanes, but I love the show Wings. <sighs> Wings is a great great show. Have have you ever seen Wings, John? It's probably a little no. after or before your time. I kind of caught it on the tail end, but I, I don't even the, really, I just looked up this co- I don't even I never even heard of coach either. Damn. You're not you're not missing anything, I assure you. <laughs> it's kind of stamped in my mind, like in the early to mid nineties, the same as like Fresh Prince and like TJIF and all that kind of shit. Like mm-hmm. early, early Boy Meets World, step by step. Like I think a coach in that. that yeah. Realm. So so picture that, but not funny, and you will have coach. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Dude, I thought what was pretty crazy in the movie, I don't know if you guys caught this, but it seemed to me like everything really kind of started kicking off once they started cutting into the pool, right? Like the guys show up there and it's like like weird shit is kind of happening, right? But it's like it, it really goes all out once they start digging that fucking pool, right? Yeah. It's like she she they dig the they dig the grave for the bird Right. And then shit kind of gets a little weird. Then they start getting into the pool and then it's bong. We're off, you know? Yeah. I didn't think about that, but you're, yeah, you're right. Yeah, totally. That's a good observation. I mean, I remember I just watched this like four or five days ago. Me and my wife just threw it on and I was like, Mm -hmm. oh shit, we're podcasting on it. So I was like, perfect. Uh, But yeah, we, this is one we watch every year around this season because it's just like, like I said, comfort food at this point, but she was actually going off on there. I think you just, uh, you just elucidated on it really well, John, but she, she made the comment. She's like, why does this shit only happen to them? Because you see, you know, like, oh, like the whole development had, Mm -hmm. you know, was built atop 
Indian burial or not Indian, but just a, a burial ground and they didn't move the, the bodies. Um, so why is it just, why isn't this happening everywhere? Why is, and I, I always thought about it and I was like, Oh, cause it's Carol Ann. And I think you can argue some of that too, but yeah, she was like, cause isn't it like, like once they got the pool and the skeletons were in the pool and shit, like maybe mm-hmm. that disturbed. And I was like, Oh fuck, you're right. And I think you hinted at it or you, you nailed it better because when they do, they make a point to like the bird dying and making a burial for it, you know? And like, that's like specific. And there is like rumblings. And then it is once they actually actively start working on the pool, that is when shit like starts popping off pretty hardcore. Right. So could it, yeah, that is, that's kind of funny. We were thinking about that too. Like, why is it? Could it also be that because he said that he basically built that entire neighborhood and they were the first one mm-hmm. to move there. So that could be it too. Like yeah. they have yeah. their tar- target on him on his back because but, he was the one that sold all those houses there. And, yeah, they said like fifty percent, and he was responsible for filling up. Right, the guy's yeah. talking. You're our best salesman. Forty eight percent of that is your as your sales. The, yeah, the, yeah I think it was it. even higher. I wanted to say it was like sixty or seventy percent, and that's yeah. why he had him up on that hill. Like, take your pick. You know, the yeah, next development. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was in the forties. But, oh, okay. but I think that, I think that, I think the digging thing makes more sense. Cause it's like, you're disturbing the shit. Like, right. And, and they yeah. make a point of it. Like there's a whole scene about them trying to like, they they go to the neighbor, right? Like, uh, Hey, is weird shit happening to you? <laughs> and they're, they're like, no, that scene's hella you know funny. I, mean? I like that. Scene. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, just, I think they had just toked up before. Yeah. So they were a little right, loosey goosey. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they look like they're both just super stoned going over there. Yeah, Dude, and that fucking fat kid rolls in and he's like, oh, mosquitoes ever bite you, son? I don't know. <laughs> oh, yes. I love that you keyed in on that. That's so awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love that the mom, she's like in the background, she's all <laughs> like, like she's trying to keep it together and like. Yeah, she does. She like blurts out, and it's like a really awkward, like weird. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, that is true. Like they go there, and he's like, "Oh shit, everything's fine." Like, fuck off now. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think all those things together kind of make a, a nice little stew. Like, why? Okay, you guys are are marked, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and another piece that I thought was really interesting after seeing this, like, I don't know, fuck 20 plus times throughout my life, I think. Um, I guess, so this was originally, they, they were planning on making it a lot darker. Um, so for instance, Toby Hooper and Spielberg, uh, and his writing team, they wanted to kill Carol Ann in the first act of the film. And then the rest of the movie, she was going to be like a uniting force of the spirits. And she was going to be like the tip of the spear on fucking with the family and haunting them. And there was a bunch of other scenes that that never even got filmed that were supposed to be real fucked up. Like, like they were going to go hard R on it. Yeah. Well, I read too that Spielberg was like, no, that like, cause uh, this was before the PG 13. Right. And, yeah. uh, originally it was rated R mm-hmm. and he went to him and was like, Hey, I'm fucking still a Steven Spielberg. I don't, I make PG movies. I think that was like a direct quote I read, right? Like just trying to look shit up mm-hmm. and they were like, Oh, okay. And so it ends up being PG, uh, 
I thought I, I yeah. thought I saw something that said PG thirteen didn't exist back then, so it was either PG or no. R. Is that wrong? Or yeah, am I it thinking didn't. of something else? No, no. it was eighty four when they first instituted PG thirteen. Boy, dude, yeah. It's funny that that's the same director too, right? I mean, it's you know that yeah. ends up getting. And the part of, part of that too, I don't know if I'm going to step on you. Jump in anytime you want, but um, I've kind of known this like like word around the campfire. Uh, is you know that um, Toby Hooper, while he's given the director credit, uh, he wasn't actually like the main driving, like the dynamic creating force of the film. Right. Um, and like we'll go back to ET a lot is like so these were pretty much filmed in parallel. And I watched a, I watched like a thirty minute documentary on youtube from like the 80s and steven spielberg's talking pretty candidly about it too and he's like uh you know he's like we were towards the end they were three weeks apart in completion of both et and poltergeist and he's like so i'd go and i'd be editing i'd be doing this thing on poltergeist and which gave me greater perspective and i was about i was able to slow down and think about you know like this last scene in et and then flip-flop he'd worked on uh et and it gave him a different perspective on making poltergeist so i thought that was interesting but so spielberg came into uh poltergeist as the main producer and writer and he had a team of writers that worked under him but like through multiple like you know third-party accounts some of the actors in this film either also call it out specifically like uh zelda rubenstein who plays tangina mm. she actually came out and said um of toby hooper the director he said she said he couldn't direct traffic um, <laughs> and there was a couple other people that kind of were like yeah he was like kind of asleep at the wheel he was like the ultimate yes man um so there's multiple accounts that like Steven Spielberg was actually the main driving force of this film. There was even some controversy toward like when it got finished, there was like a, um, like an inquiry put in with like the, the movie board. I can't, I can't, I didn't write the note down what it was, but there was like a legitimate like inquiry about like who made the film, who actually deserved the director writing credit, the producer credit uh the writing team all that kind of stuff and um so yeah a lot of it is from what i've seen is that toby hooper was like the guy calling cut and like Mm -hmm. anything spielberg said i think we should do this we should make the shot like this he's like okay cool do it like he didn't he was just there and like going through the motions basically What I read was he that it was kind of this thing that got blown out of proportion because he was saying that he was in the back. Uh, They had to they were filming two things and he he was getting the shots in the back and Spielberg was shooting something in the front, like because they need he was just there. He happened to be there and was like, oh, perfect. I'll take care of this. You do this up front. And it was uh, uh, that day uh, media happened to show up and sees Spielberg shooting. And goes, oh, well, oh, he's shit. fucking directing it. And then, and he's like, and it just fucking spiraled out of control there. But then at the end of that article, it also talks about Zelda, same thing, her saying, uh, it's like, well, but she also states that no, Spielberg was the director. So I was like, oh, right. shit. It's yeah. It's like a pick choice kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And I mean, 
I don't want to downplay Toby Hooper. I mean, I, I like right. him as a director. He's done a lot of great things. I mean, obviously, number one, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That was all him. That was his baby. Right. And, yep. I mean, he's done a few other things. But, honestly, outside of Poltergeist and Texas Chainsaw, he was never, never able to, like, conjure that same kind of magic. Um, he has <laughs> He's done another film called Life Force that's really fucking crazy. It's got... Uh, space vampires like uh it dude it's super fucking weird but I, i'd probably say that's his next closest one in terms of like caliber of film and like how much it made but right I mean, up steve's alley yeah i mean cool. if you go back to and look at <laughs> et it like it it feels very much like this is a spielberg film like this is jaws yeah. in a house this is like it's got the DNA of, of ET all over it. Um, so honestly, I don't give a shit. I just think it's, it's interesting that like those two dudes, they didn't clash openly. They didn't have a big, huge beef. Like it would probably be nowadays if that Mm. kind of diamond dynamic were to exist. And who knows, maybe he did direct the shit out of the film and it's, it's just out of context, but when was Texas? Fuck. I think that was, quite a bit older i want to say it was 74 okay because i mean that it's not like yeah that, 74 when that came out that was a you know what i mean i don't think that movie grew into popularity right i mean it was pretty from release it was uh it was a big thing right yeah it, it was like this it, like the way i think about it is because obviously i wasn't there when all that shit went down right. but i think about it kind of like um Blair Witch, like how it was like in the the zeitgeist and like how it kind of just caught fire word of mouth because Texas Chainsaw, he was a veritable unknown and they shot this thing like guerrilla style, kind of like found Mm -hmm. footage, but not really, but really low budget in like the dead heat of like Texas, like that's where Toby was from, I believe. And like 110 degree weather, like really like shitty conditions and they put together something really great and yeah. it kind of just it took off like like pre-internet obviously kind of like uh yeah. blair witch i kind of think about it as that same kind of phenomenon but yeah because i was just thinking it's like well if he wasn't you know i could see if he wasn't uh popular at the time or something and you could make an argument for it but it sounds like he because i'm i obviously i don't know either right not from that time era but um, Spielberg was already a big name. Oh yeah, so. he was huge. He had done at least one, maybe two. Uh, uh, Indiana Jones. He'd done Jaws. Right. Um, he'd done thir- Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So yeah, he was a heavy hitter at that point yeah. for sure. He could pretty right. much write his own ticket. Well, I, I read the amount of that- Star Wars shit that was in the movie. I thought was pretty wild too, dude. Like that was crazy in the kids' room. I don't know if you caught like Darth yeah. Vader, C three PO, fucking uh, Chewbacca. Like it's like it, the whole room was like Star Wars shit. I thought that was kind of. It's like what the fuck. I don't know. I just thought it was weird. Yeah. Did, and, I, uh, did I, that, I, Go ahead. Sorry. I was just gonna say I I read something that said Spielberg was like contractually. Um prevented from working on another film because et was going on at the same time so maybe he just did this like using a surrogate in the form of he 
he was prohibited from directing another film at right. the same time because it was in a different studio. But yeah, he could be he could still produce and write, which he did. But yeah, that's kind of goes to the argument that like yeah. he was the director actually. Right. They just passed it, it off as it benefits everybody to have him on board. So oh yeah, that would explain why the what's his what's his fuck you know isn't upset. Toby that, Hooper. Yeah, yeah, that he's getting credit for it. Yeah, he sure. got paid, man. He got right. he got the notoriety. He got his name on it. So, yeah, I wouldn't Makes put sense. up a, much of a fight if I were him either. At that point, having that Word. kind of the star power of Spielberg coming on, and because I, I, what I saw in that direct, uh, documentary too, it was like multiple cast and crew members were like Stephen was there every day except for like three days when like his kid had to go to the hospital or something like that, like where he couldn't be there, but he was there every single day. That's pretty wild to think like now you think of big blockbuster pictures and like they take how long they take and how intensive they are. He was doing ET, which I mean, for a lot of years was like the highest grossing picture ever made and poltergeist at the same time, which poltergeist did super well too. And I think it released either a week before or a week or two after ET, like it actually released and it still did like, gangbusters you know like enough to stretch it out into three fucking or two sequels um how are the sequels they're pretty rough yeah in my opinion okay what were you gonna say john i uh dude one of them scared the shit out of me uh i can't never remember which one the first one is obviously what stuck the most mm-hmm. but I, I i watched the the one with like the cult leader one and like they follow him and they all get buried under there uh, I watched that more recently. I don't. I think that's the second one. I can't really yeah. remember, but yeah. the one where I, I remember there being like a pool, like they're at like a, yep, and it's they're like high and they rise. Start like, yeah, and they start fucking ripping each other's faces off, and, yeah. and, and for whatever reason, like that scene has just fucking stuck with me for life. So yeah. it, it, for me, it was one. terrifying. I yeah, could never remember, but that that one that and that's really all I remember from it, Steve. To be honest, but uh, if you liked this one, I mean, I, I don't know, I'd, I'd watch it. Okay, yeah, I mean, so going into this movie, I I knew literally nothing about it. Mm-hmm. The only thing I had heard was somebody mentioned the scene where the guy's face melts off. Yeah. So I was I was <laughs> waiting for that, and then I didn't realize the guy like peeled his own fucking horrible yeah, face mask off but yeah. <laughs> yeah those are actually steven spielberg's hands mm-hmm. how fun how fun uh <laughs> yeah i would say the sequels are pretty garbage although the third one that john's talking about it takes place in like a high rise um yeah and it's fucking there's a couple of scenes that are really fucking scary like way scarier than the first and the second one but ultimately, yeah, it's a bad movie. And I had it in my head because I watched the second one first as a young kid. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was like, I remember a few scenes that were really scary. So then I thought, you know, older, like, oh, yeah, that one was dope because it scared me so much. And when I watched it again, this is probably like five years ago when I was older, it yep. does not hold up. And it's like the yeah. story is really bad. And there is that one scene that still scared me. Um but yeah, they're terrible. I, I would not recommend either one. <laughs> either. Yeah. 
under any circumstance. Um, the second one I'll always remember fondly though, because like the kid Robbie, he's a little bit older. He has braces. There's a scene where kind of like where the dude who rips his face off, like he trips out like the, the yeah. house is fucking with him. This kid goes in and like brush his teeth and he's got braces and they start like coming apart. And then at a certain point, the whole room is braces and he's like a, in a spider, like a cocoon in a spider web of braces and he's freaking the fuck out. That part scares the shit out of me. Um, other than yeah, that, dude. pure garbage. Um, so I, I did like the movie for sure. If I had one minor criticism, it would be like after that super <laughs> creepy chick comes in and says she clears the house. The the gal who looks like Kim Jong-un with the creepy ass voice. <laughs> this um, house is clear. It's clean. <laughs> yeah. When it, when it gets like re-haunted in the last 10 or 15 minutes, I could have done without that. Yeah. I felt like that was way fucking over the top. Really? Yeah. I, well, and it seemed ridiculous. Like, what are you talking about? If I just <laughs> experienced that, fuck out of here, bro. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to, I'm going to take a bath. You two get to bed. We'll get out of here tomorrow. Yeah. Doc, I'm fucking gone. Yeah. And then I'm sleeping dude, in the moving yeah. van out front. Yeah. And the clown, I thought that was so dumb. I, this is the uh, last note I got for it. Why the fuck would you leave that clown you uh, in the chair? I, right like, in I front just, of your I, fucking like, bed? Yeah, dude. Like, <laughs> like, it's the, like, we just went like, all right, buddy. Well, everything's fine because that little old lady said so. So you're not going to try to fuck me under the bed or anything, right? Yeah. <laughs> what are we talking about? Dude, a uh, crazy story about that, too, is uh, so um, when that clown, like they had it set up, it was all practical, obviously, it wasn't CGI. They had it on wires and shit, pulleys and all this crap. Mm-hmm. So when that clown starts strangling Robbie, um, there's, uh, and it, I think it's still in the film, uh, there's a part where he he says aloud like audibly like i'm choking i'm choking and both toby hooper and steven spielberg were there watching the shoot and uh they didn't realize like that wasn't him acting that it, something had malfunctioned and it was really choking his ass and he they thought he was like oh he's really getting into this fucking role <laughs> it's killing like, <laughs> yeah literally and uh it wasn't until steven spielberg noticed that his face was turning purple that he's like, oh fuck, and the look, the eyes, the look of the kid's eyes, like struck him, like, oh shit. So then they stopped. They had to pull the fucking thing off of him, and that like traumatized that little kid, like, for a long time. Um, but yeah, I thought that, that part was fucking, dude, that's insane. Just like, oh shit, he's actually suffocating. Get that fucking shit off him. Yeah, make sure, dude. We, I love make those sure we get that shot stories. though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, that's a good copy here. Uh, yeah, that that would scar me from acting for sure if I was that little kid. Fuck this. Dude, um, figuring out how things were shot when I watch mo- like I don't know, like uh I think the first time I watched a director's commentary on something, like for a long time I was always like fucking psychopaths who watches that shit. Mm-hmm. And then I watched the alien one and mm-hmm. that shit is so good, bro. Yeah. And hearing the way that they they talk about like, oh, we shot like this or that and and it made me think immediately in the end with the house when the house gets sucked in. Right. Yes. So that was a, a miniature, right? It was like six foot wide or something like that is how, is how it was built up. And they had like just 
chains, like everything hooked up to it so that they could pull it through a funnel. And so that last shot is that it's like a a miniature of this house. It's being pulled in through a funnel and that's how they get it all to like close in and look. Uh, It's a great shot. And at the time I was, you know, I was like, well, I don't know how fucking, you know, how effects were at that time, but that shit looks really good. And it's because, you know, that's how they did it. Same thing with the tree. Like when the tree was swallowing him, Mm -hmm. I guess the way that actually is, is it was actually spitting him out. And then they just, they reverse it. But that shit is interesting to me. I, I love that shit. Yeah. I actually, just by luck, I, I found one specific, uh, it, it was filmed back in the eighties, like alongside the film, uh, like behind the scenes. And they were talking to different cast and crew and everything. And they went into detail on the, um, the house getting sucked in. They actually mm-hmm. had a, it was, I don't know what the fuck it was or if they made it just for the film, but it was an, an industrial strength vacuum collection system, which was that, that was that funnel. And to get okay. the effect, like they, they did weird shit with the cameras. They like slowed them down and like sped one up. And, um, then they turned that fucker on to start sucking. And right at the same time, they had two crew members go on either side and fucking blast it with pump action shotguns. So oh, that's the, and, the, and then they tweaked the effect, but that's the effect of the house crumpling and then getting sucked in on itself was from yep. them doing all that onto a miniature, which I thought, dude, that's fucking badass. Cause yeah. now you just like CGI that and it would look fucking garbage, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think the CGI or the, the, the effects in this film, I, I think still hold up. There's some of the, some portal uh, shit looks a little there's, funky. There's a couple that are, yeah, I'll give Dude, you that. Dude, coming out of the television, I thought was really good. Like that was my first oh, yeah. thought. Of, like at the time, I was like, "By the fucking mist, the like green mist, is it's like floating around? And it hits into the into the wall." You know, watching it with eyes now, right? But the, I was right. like, "Man, this shit, it doesn't look bad." You know what I mean? Yeah, and the, and I try not to judge things too much with modern eyes. You know, you got to look at right. it for what it was at the time, and mm-hmm. yeah. But and yeah, for sure. To- I know that butthole looking hole at the end for sure was kinda yeah. Kind of weird. Yeah, some of that portal shit was like obviously doesn't hold up be- because right. I feel like today, like there's still some stuff that lends itself better to CGI, and there's still some people too that, that go with practical effects. And like mm-hmm. it's funny, I always make fun of my wife because she she's like a practical effects purist. So whenever yeah. she sees something like that that could have been done practically, she's just like fucking green screen. I'm just like <laughs> out of here. Yeah. But fucking green cheat codes. Um, cheat codes literature, dog. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like the uh dude the the scene where uh joe beth williams the the wife is fucking going like up and around the room and being like they actually they built like a full-on now i think they call them like gimbals but before they like built that room on this like huge ass they pulled back and it's this big ass sound stage and they're fucking rotating the fucking thing like that's yeah. pretty is that the hallway no, that's the scene where no, uh, where she's, she's like kind of getting bedroom. sucked up the wall, and then oh, word, yeah, word, word, and it's rotating, and then yeah. also the scene too where they're all hanging on towards the end, they're hanging on for dear life, and everything's getting sucked into that closet in that bedroom, dude. They had like 
that was Heather O'Rourke said that was the scariest part of the whole shoot when she's hanging onto the end of that bed frame because they had like fucking six or seven of these big ass industrial fucking mega fans that were just blowing all of that shit in there. Like, and she said that was the part that freaked her out the most. Like they had her on a safety harness and everything that they scrubbed out later. But yeah, I can see that being freaky as hell. Oh yeah. Like what if this snaps and I get sucked into this room? Like, um, yeah, I, I like that's to me, that's one part that makes this film like, I think it still is creepy and there's some scary parts and, uh, but the, I think the effects hold up really well. Um, just to, to touch to on a couple more of those effects, how they did it that I thought were super interesting where, so like the, the, uh, when the wife starts like, you know, freaking out about the chairs and stuff and can't wait for her husband to come home. Like, look what it's doing. Like they built that on a set and they put like a wire. I mean, hearing like seeing behind the curtain, it doesn't seem like, Oh, that's how they did it. They put a wire under the chair and they cut underneath that floor or whether they're filming and they just pulled it across the wire. But mm-hmm. for instance, like the chairs, like how they were like around the table and then they're all assembled upside down into this like perfect symmetry. Pyramid. Yeah. Yeah. So what they did was, I guess they shot it in real time and, but they had a pre-assembled like screwed and glued together one table with all the chairs. Mm-hmm. And then, so they set it and they filmed with the just regular table, six chairs all strewn around the table. And then they, the camera pans to the right and the mom, like they focus on her. She drops down, she opens a cabinet grabs a bottle of cleaner or some shit and pops up. And I think it's four seconds. And then the camera pans all in one, a one shot to the left. So they had six guys waiting like at various points out on the left-hand side of the shot. And then they had two guys that were ready holding either end of the fully assembled table. So they had it all choreographed. So as soon as she turns and the camera starts turning, the six guys come in, grab all the chairs and the table, book it out, like huck the shit across the room. And then (laughs) the two dudes come in with the fully assembled table, boom. And then they dive out of the way, right. As the camera's coming back to the left and she's all, Oh shit. Like, and it's all assembled. So that's, they, I mean, looking behind the curtain, it's like, fuck, they just like, they really just swapped them and did it super yeah. fast. But the effect, like it's so smooth and seamless that it's like, yeah. it grabs, you, you know, um, it's a fact that, that, was, that, that was like one take too. I, I saw, I read that. Oh, really? Just like, yeah. They just banged it out. Just boom. First, Damn. first try. Pop. Yeah, that's awesome. Because, like, thinking about the logistics of that, like, you could see that, like, going on 20, 30 takes, trying to, like, get it just perfect, you know? Like, for sure. Like, a whole day or two of filming. Um, Why does a a family of five have six chairs? Just to have an extra if you have company. Yeah, dude. For guests. Some people like having people (laughs) over, Steve. I don't understand that. Dude, there's a funny uh, comedian. Uh, you may have heard of him. I think is uh, Sebastian Maniscalco. Is that what his name is? Maniscalco. Manis- Maniscalco. Yep. He has a funny bit about like, remember when you had company? Like yeah. you get a knock at the door. <laughs> I won't go into it, but anyone that likes that guy, that's that's one of my favorite. Uh, it is very funny. It's yeah, he used to be excited, like yeah, come on in. And now when you hear Go the get knock, some coffee, bring the coffee in here. Come bring the, yeah. Now you hear a knock at the door. You're like, nobody move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Peering behind the windows. Who the fuck is it? Yeah. 
Um, all right. Oh, I got a couple of other cool things that I was, uh, about the making of the film. Um, oh, so the, uh, the stake crawling across, that was the same thing as the chair. They cut a little narrow channel in the tile of the counter and they just put, oh, they ran a wire through and there was a guy off yep. screen just pulling it slowly off to the wire and then they put like a squib to make it like a super gentle one to make it like pop out like when the stakes moving on the fucking counter yeah that was dope that was probably the, the scenes that freaked me out the most like that part like the dude's like oh i'm fucking hungry i'm about to grub down a steak and it's yeah, all getting and weird and and then the, the maggot chicken oh yeah <laughs> shit was nuts I like later on too how they're like, uh, yeah, whatever's face won't be joining us. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm getting the fuck out back. of Dodge, man. <laughs> um, one thing too, I noticed this time, I always forget it, no matter how many times I watch it. Like when Zelda root, when Tangina comes in and it's like, everything's cool. Like it always lulls me into a false sense of security. No, how, no matter how many times I see it, I'm like, oh yeah, that is okay. And it's like, Happy ending. And then it pops off again. I always forget. I don't know why. But I actually yeah. like, uh, at least on this watch, I like that it actually pushes forward and doesn't end right there. But it sounds like you, you, you two guys are not, it drags out a little too long. Not necessarily that it drags out or, or you know, didn't like it. it. It was just fucking dumb. Like, it's like nobody's doing that. Like, I feel like anybody else is just getting the fuck out of there. Yeah. Like that, that's my thought process behind it. Like, yeah, just cause this lady said, yo, it's all good. Like we just watched dog people come through the fucking roof. A uh, skull head came out of this closet. Like I, I'm not staying here. Like, yeah. That's part of where the sequels come into play and they kind of rewrite like what's going on because the sequel is like, Oh, kind of like similar to, uh, I think it's insidious. It's either insidious or sinister. Um, they're like, oh yeah, it wasn't the house. It's you. Like the spirits are binded to you. So no matter where you go, it's going to come back and fuck with you. Uh, and that's, sure. kind of, that's pretty much what happens. That's part two and part three. So, um, yeah, I do like at the very end though, like when they go in, they get the hotel and the fucking dad's like, get this fucking TV out of here. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, dude. <laughs> that was like the perfect bow to put on it i feel like but yeah i thought so too that was a really fun piece of uh, trivia for that too uh the the holiday end sign says dr fantasy and friends which was one of the uh producers on the show it was a magic show that he does in real life and that is uh frank and that's his magic show damn dr fantasy and friends nice that's fun. That's a nice yeah, little Easter egg. I guess he uh, does it at the end of every rap. Oh, sweet. <laughs> uh, well, there, there's two more things. Not to belabor this, I know we're we're getting to land the plane here. But um, one thing I thought was interesting too is uh, so in the film, you know, the big and one of my favorite parts too is when. There's a hint of it before when the land developer is talking to Craig T. Nelson. He's like, yeah, you got your, you're their best salesman. You got the pick of, you know, our new development. What about a bay window right here? And then to the back of them is all those, that, those graveyards and that whole, that huge ass cemetery. And he's like, well, what do you, what about all this stuff? 
you got to make room for this, don't you? And he's like, well, we've done it before. Cuesta Verde all down there. And yep. so that, that's the first hint. Like he's like, he assumes like, Oh, he dug up all the bodies, moved the headstones and fucking transported them somewhere else. But that's the key. It comes back to that at the end when shit really right. starts popping off. Like it's like a spectacle. Everyone's out there. The land developer pulls up. Cause I'm sure he hears, Hey, there's some weird shit going on and on it. Cuesta Verde, he comes out, and then my one of my favorite parts is when Craig T. Nelson fucking braces him, grabs him, and he's like, and he get he finally beats out of him basically that they didn't they just moved the gravestones, they didn't move the bodies, and then he's just like, right. you moved the headstones, you didn't move the bodies, yeah, like, why that whole part yeah. that was so dope, yeah. but so in this film the scene where Joe Beth Williams is in the fucking swimming pool and then the fucking skeletons start coming up. They actually filmed with real skeletons yeah, because they were cheaper than the plastic ones. So then that goes back. If you want to get tinfoil hat about shit, it's like maybe right. there is something that adds a little bit of credence to the whole, you know, is this film cursed or possessed because they did the same thing that they're guilty of in the film universe. They disrespect, totally disrespect, uh, uh, desecrating the bodies and the spirits of yeah, these lost yeah. ones. So, and how that's kind of an interesting laws against that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like, how cause I be read cheaper? that online too. And yeah, also that. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Like that's a plastic crazy. skeleton versus I'm going to buy somebody's actual skeleton. human remains. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. That seems like, but that for sure is part of why, I mean, absolutely. If there's some weird shit going on with all these people, I could believe like, that alone of, yeah, well, we yeah. just threw some fucking real people's bodies down there and had them rolling around with them. Like, yeah, dog, some weird shit's probably going to happen to you. Yeah. Yeah. And you, de- and you deserve it. That's yeah. At least, that's, yeah, that's at least some kind of weird. bad juju. Yeah. That is fucked up. Yeah. So I thought that was, that was kind of like, that's kind of like uh 10,000 spoons when all you need is a knife, isn't it? Wow. Good one. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, fuck. I love that. Um, I did think the at the very beginning of the movie, there's a screen that's like, hey, just in case you're sensitive to light, you know, be careful. Yeah. I'm like, that's weird. And then after watching it, like, Jesus Christ, I'm glad I don't have fucking epilepsy because <laughs> that was pretty nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Old Nate Dog would have been biting his tongue off there. Nate B. Um. All right. Oh yeah. Fun fact for you too, Steve. Do you know who this film was scored by? I don't, but I like. I did like the music. For what you don't know worth. who it was <clears throat> scored by. No. It was from Chinatown fame. Jerry Goldsmith. Oh. oh, this is this is unbelievable! <laughs> I remember you, you liked that score, didn't you? I did. Yeah, from Chinatown. Yeah, yeah. same guy. I guess uh, Spielberg. Like up to this point, he had only worked with uh, John L. Williams of Star Wars fame, uh, like master composer dude. He'd worked with him on every other film, but he couldn't get him for this, so he went to. Uh, Jerry Goldsmith, which is solid backup, if I may say so. Um, 
Okay. Is there anything else you get, either you two guys want to rap about concerning Poltergeist? No, I don't think so. Poltergeist specifically? No, I do not. I think that was, uh, yeah, we had everything I had marked down, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't have a Denzel devotional or a funny clip anecdote or colloquial corner. Do either of you two have anything along those lines? No. Um, I might have a little something. I heard... Okay. Um... (laughs) (laughs) This might just be for Jim specifically, but I heard... I heard coke, like pure cocaine the other day referred to as fish scale. Oh, Does yeah, that... I've heard that before. Okay. I've Peruvian only ever... fish scale? I've only ever heard it referred to in like young Jeezy lyrics that I didn't, <laughs> I didn't understand it was referring to cocaine. Uh, so. What you talking about? Finish it. <laughs> Finish it. I reckon you better suck these balls. Um, dude, what's the other one? Inside's peanut butter, or outside's what is that? Red paint. Inside's peanut butter. I I almost prepared a young Jeezy like <laughs> trivia. Finish the lyric for you, but <laughs> but I, a problematic I, one. Yeah, <laughs> but then I kind of gave up on it because I don't know how many it's people pro- give a shit, it's, but... It's probably for the best. Outside um, fish sticks. Inside's tartar sauce. Yep. I reckon you better suck these balls! Um, Alright, so... That's it for... Poltergeist. Uh, oh, I meant I meant to ask this last episode, and I didn't. Um, since we're we're in our two month ode to Halloween, do you guys are you guys pretty big into the Halloween spirit in general, and or uh, nope? Do you do any, not a child. anything for it? Nah, pretty. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, dude, I, I, it's funny because I was thinking about it earlier. Uh, I fucking hate scary movies. You know, I have ones that I've watched as a kid and I, I was uh, terrified that I was never going to get to make it on the podcast because uh, me and G baby had talked about what, if I was to come on, we would, we would see, we would do cool hand Luke. Right. Cool Hand Luke is one of my favorite movies of all time. And Steve has seen, what, three movies in his fucking lifetime? Yeah. One of them happened to be Cool Hand Luke, and he just Awful. shit all oh, over so it. Bad. It's <laughs> enraging, right? Absolutely You're enraging. You're on drugs. And then he's like, hey, man, you want to come do scary movies? And I was like, fuck. <laughs> I guess, dude. We'll, we'll, uh, but we'll thankfully, that's why I pre- Dude, it was yeah that that was super good that that was that was awesome. But uh, yeah, I, I have no idea how you cannot like Cool Hand Luke. It's absolutely mind blowing. Yeah, it is. It is mind boggling. Um, 
Well, we'll have to have you back on for one. I think a good one would be, uh, and I think this would be right up your alley too, John, is have you ever seen McCabe and Miss Miller from 1971 starring... Warren Beatty, Warren Beatty, and Julie Christie, fucking staring. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's awesome. Okay, yeah, not in this, it. not in the same way. Cool Hand Luke is. I mean, it's an older film, so it has that going mm-hmm. for it. But it's it's definitely a more it's an under the radar like uh, kind of quirky, but it's like a western, but not. Uh, it's fuck. It's a great film. I'd never seen it before. My father-in-law, we used to go over to his house and, uh, you know, make dinner and he'd pick an old movie. And like, that's how right. I, f- I saw like the dirty dozen for the first time, which fucking awesome. All these old movies that are like classics that are a blind yeah. spot to me. He put on one of which was McCabe and Miss Miller. And it's fucking awesome. It's like it immediately shot to like top five, like right off. Oh, the bat. Word. So it's, it's a great film. I think that would be a really good one that kind of meets in the middle of all of our tastes. And I think would be a good discussion too. Um, yeah, we'll have to get you back on for something that's not horror centric, but, um, yeah, I know. I remember you told me some crazy stories like of like nightmares or like, like one in particular that you told me, which, you know, would lend to someone being averse to horror. films, Dude. Yeah. I think it's just cause I can like people, I can watch a movie once and for whatever reason, I just have like, it's, it's not a photographic memory, but I can just remember shit super vivid and well. And so it's like most movies I watch just get stuck with me. Mm-hmm. So when it's shit like this, it's just like, that shit is like, it's just stuck with me now. But. Yeah. And all you remember it's are like the scariest parts and like, oh, fuck. Right. Yeah. 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 But yeah, it's dope. It's, it's, yeah, it's cool, dude. I think Poltergeist is a good, happy medium because it's For like, sure. it's scary, but it's not so scary that like, you don't ever want to watch it again or you can't even introduce like, I think this is a good kind of like intro to horror. Yep. Um, yep. And it's not going to hurt anything. Like if, you know, you watch it with a kid who's like. I'd say probably like 10 or 12 could probably handle this. Um, yep. And then if it gets them into horror or, or like more kind of spooky stuff like that, then great. And if not, then they're not fucking scarred for life. Like right. at least I think, um, I think there's a lot more. I watched fucking Candyman when I was like 10 or 11 and it fucking mm-hmm. freaked me the hell out. It, I didn't get into like horror, like more of that genre until like pretty ultra recently, but over the years, like it took me a long time to get back into it. Cause I, I was always like, who would want to feel that way? Like I'd rather Word. watch a cool action <laughs> film or a comedy or like, it's like, wait, I'm spending my, my precious free time to fucking be scared and feel that way. But right. it's kind of like how I've gotten older and I'm like getting more into spicy shit. That's kind of the analogy. It's like, I love <laughs> spicy shit now. And like, now I really like that, that effect that you get from, horror films, you know, being scared yeah. like that. So, um, yeah, like the other day I, like we went to the farmer's market and I got this fucking scotch bonnet, uh, fucking hot sauce. That's like, I don't know, 300 K Scoville's. And it's like, I'm good. You know, like it gave me a little burn. And then you get that, that after euphoria of it fucking like kicking you right in the fucking teeth, you know, 
I don't know. Oh, yeah. That's the two things I think about are like spicy ass food and horror and like ratcheting it up. And yeah, I wonder like if a, it's like it's like a desensitization and a tolerance. Yeah. 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 Totally, but I feel like I've I've hit my limit with us with certain horror films, and where I know I'm like, okay, that's the line. Like, <laughs> um, right, yeah. And I think pretty much it's like torture porn subgenre right. of horror. It's like, yeah, that's not really doing it for me. I always go sure. back to like this kind of shit, like hauntings, possession, ghost shit. That's like I've kind of funneled it down to like that's my favorite shit. You know, like. Sure. A good balance is scary, and I can and I enjoy it, and it doesn't teeter into either line like, oh, this is fucking soft shit, or this is like fucking gross. I don't want to watch this. Sure. So, for me, it's like like Friday the Thirteenth and like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, like shit like that. It's like I can do that kind of stuff. Like same thing with it. Like I, that's why I was able to do it. But shit that's like uh, like possession and demon shit, like I'm cool. <laughs> I don't I'm good. Dude, I love that shit, man. I, I know it. you do. <laughs> I watched dude, I, I did watch um The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Have you ever seen that? Yep. <sighs> dude. Bro. That I think one. that was probably when I hit that was the line where it was like, Yeah, nope, done. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. I think that one. That's PG thirteen too. And I think it's. I think that one is based on somewhat true events, quote unquote true events. Yeah, yeah. I think that's part of it that feeds into the scare factor when I watched it. For sure. I think it was that film and The Conjuring, where like the next day, I like, I really, I think in the immediate aftermath of watching it, and then like early the next day, I I did have like legitimate thoughts of like like church and religion and like getting cleansed or something like, <laughs> oh, yeah. dude. Yep. Dude, the conjuring a, right, dude. freaked me out. Like, dude, I was, I like, knew I was I cool did. off the conjuring. I was like, no, <laughs> that's the one where I grabbed shirt. Oh shit. Pop. It like did that. You know, those, uh, those scenes where people stage like a, a fucking, um, an airbag. And people sit down and the airbag blows them up. I did yeah, one yeah, of those yeah. in The Conjuring. <laughs> Straight up, dude. Yeah. Not that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but I it my ass became lifted <laughs> off my seat for sure. Yeah. And I remember like laying yeah. down, like staring up at the blackness of night, like, oh fuck. Like I need to get myself to church. <laughs> Dude, and people that like scary movies, it's cra- like they try to they try, try try to sell you and push that shit out. Like I will never forget, someone was like, "Oh, you don't like scary movies? Oh, dude, you got to check out Hereditary." Oh <laughs> yeah, like, totally. Yeah. <laughs> no, nope, definitely not, dude. Like it's just like, yeah, that's funny to me. Scary movie people are just they're crazy sometimes, dude. Yeah, they can be for sure. And Hereditary is a fucking that is a good film. It is scary as shit, though. Yeah. <laughs> Have you Never seen Hereditary, Steve? Nope. Dude. Don't do it, dude. It's fucking good, man. Don't do it, dude. <laughs> it's really good. Um, nope. Getting some really conflicting messages here. <clears throat> All right. Uh, well, so you guys pretty, pretty much uh, no Halloween spirit here. Outside of me. Yep. No. All right. Nope. I'm an adult. Okay. 
I love the season, and I think it it helps too when you have kids or like I have niece and nephew who are big into it. Like, mm. I think when my wife when we got together, it was right before Halloween. We got together in like August, and so I got introduced to my niece and nephew. They were all big into like trick or treating and Halloween and that kind of shit. So that definitely like this is around like 2013 ish. Definitely like rekindled the uh, the fire. I always had fond memories of Halloween of like trick or treating and like getting into shit and like egg in houses and like you know TP and people's like just it felt like uh like another level of freedom. Like when you're that young, you have this really narrow band of life where you can be a shithead and get away with it, kind of thing. Right. I think that there's a there's a heavy nostalgia factor at play there for me too. But yeah, now yeah. having kids and stuff, it's easy. It's fun to like get back into that. Like we went all out on our fucking front yard, and like I cut out a fucking ecto one thing out out of plywood with my jigsaw, and we have that up in the front yard, and like. I think every year we're just going to kind of add to it and be those fucking people. So hell yeah, that's where I'm at in life. Um, hillbillies. That's what that's. Called. <laughs> you guys are a bunch of hillbillies. Um, all right. Well, all right, that's going to do it. Wrap it up. Let's, uh, yeah. let's let John do some plugs. Yes. So, uh, John staring, John, uh, take us out here. Where else can we find you? What else you got going? on yeah totally so uh my my big thing that i enjoy doing i actually stream retro games on the twitch so uh twitch.tv slash kinetic underscore onslaught o-n-s-l-o-t uh tuesdays thursdays sundays uh 5 30 p.m pacific standard time uh come on by play all kinds of uh just retro games have a good time talk shit discuss things like this you know what i mean on the twitter uh same thing at kinetic underscore on slot uh give me a follow can you put a link yeah. in the whatever absolutely fucking cheat codes uh we will cheat code. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll throw out your handle in the socials and in the show notes we'll include uh your twitch stream check john out he's he's got it all when it comes to like fighting games like the retro uh like speed runs and stuff i know you're you're big on that kind of thing um Love yeah it. it's a good time check them out uh and i think uh we'll definitely have you back on for sure i'll make sure we're not in spooky halloween ode to horror month um and he's a little honestly he's a little cutie pie <laughs> Get in line, right? Um, what? <laughs> he's, he's spoken for. Um, yeah, I, I really appreciate you guys having me on for real. It's uh, I know we got a history, and it's cool just to shoot the shit and to get an opportunity to get together and discuss shit like this. So uh, I really do appreciate it. Had a great time. Thank you very yeah, much. It was good to have you, dude. Yeah, totally. Yep. Uh, yeah, this is... All in fun, and yeah, I think I think uh, McCabe and Miss Miller will be an awesome episode to have you back on. So we'll get that working, and uh, I think next week, fuck, what are we doing next week? We're either doing, see, I thought about Beetlejuice because Steve has never seen Beetlejuice, and I think that's, be a, sick that's a good run up to uh, to Halloween as we get closer and closer here, but. 
I was thinking about swapping out Exorcist 3 for it because someone brought that up and I always forget about it. And it's like, dude, that movie is fucking awesome. And I think you would like that one, Steve. And it's okay yeah. to watch it out of sequence. So we're either, I'm, I'll noodle on it. We'll talk about it more, but we're either going to watch okay. Exorcist 3 next week or uh, we'll cover Beetlejuice. One of the two. I think either one I think or I can't miss. Um, but yeah. TBD for next week. Um, so yeah, this has been Waxing the Porpoise. Uh, if you have any questions for John or us or about Poltergeist or anything uh, in general, uh, you can hit us at wax at waxingtheporpoise.com or you can reach out to us on one of our socials. Instagram is Waxing the Porpoise. Twitter at Waxing the Porp. Um, thanks again to John for joining us. It was awesome having you on. Uh, he'll definitely be back in the future. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, no. Pretty good, dude. <laughs> All righty. Well, Take care, and we'll see you when we see you, and we'll see you later. I reckon you better suck these balls! <laughs> and-